Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 27, and I'm drinking Chartreuse. As a listener, you should expect that I will be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. I started this podcast specifically so I could review spirits like Chartreuse. It's a liqueur that's always held a certain mystique for me. Only in the last year or so did I actually try it, and when I did, I loved it. It is truly a mysterious product. It's made by monks in a way that they've made it for centuries, and it's truly a secret recipe that only two or three monks at any given time know. While I've covered other secret recipes on this podcast, I honestly believe that chartreuse trumps them all. And with such a history to the spirit, I hope I can do it justice. Chartreuse has four products available in the United States. I will be reviewing the most iconic of them, which is green chartreuse. And I have a bottle unopened of green chartreuse. It is 750 milliliters. It is bottled at 55% alcohol by volume, making it a stout 110 proof. And it retails for about $65. The bottle itself is clear glass that allows you to see the natural color of the spirit within. It does have a relief on it, the word chartreuse with the globe and cross icon in the front and center, and then it has chartreuse along the bottom as well. Metal screw cap, paper front label, paper back label. Uh, The bottom is slightly smaller than the shoulder. Very classic looking spirits bottle. Okay, let's open it up. There's the screw cap. And the pour. beautiful color. I'm tasting neat right out of the bottle at room temperature. I've got my trusty Glencairn, a nosing glass. It's a whiskey glass specifically, but it allows you to see the spirit clearly, swirl it in the glass, get a good nosing of it, and then drink from it easily. For the look of chartreuse in the glass, it is vivid green, my specific bottling, and I'll talk more about bottling later on in this episode, but it is naturally green colored. It comes from the chlorophyll in the plants that they use in production, and it looks just wonderfully green. On the nose, it's very herbal, so complex as far as the number of botanicals that are included in this. There's 130, if you didn't already know, uh, that it is difficult to pick out a specific aroma, but let's give it a good nosing. A little alcohol burn being a 110 proof. <laughs> I catch a menthol. It's, again, complex, very herbal. It smells a bit sweet. Yeah, it's very layered. Um, alpine herby, um, a bit spicy. smells lovely. It's just a very floral, mentholated, botanical smell. Okay, let's try it on the palate. Hmm. 
Mm. <coughs> uh, the proof, <laughs> excuse me, proof got me there at the at the swallow, <coughs> but it is. Uh, there's some heat, some spiciness, uh, likely from the alcohol content. <coughs> Give me just a second. Had to take a uh, break for a sip of water between that, but let's have another taste, and then I'll give you my impressions of the complex flavors. It, it, it's very complex. It changes as you move it in your mouth, and as you the finish changes. It is sweet. That's one of the things. It is a liqueur, which means it has sugar added. This may, or I don't, I don't know if it has sugar. To be honest, it's a secret recipe, and it's truly secret. But it's named a liqueur. I'll get to that more. But that usually means historically that it is a sweetened distilled spirit. Uh, it definitely tastes sweet on the palate. It's very herbal, floral. I'll catch just, it's like a, a sequence of flavor images flash across your palate as you taste chartreuse. You'll get bitter, I'll get nutty and almond, bright floral, uh, a menthol flavor, hint of anise, you know, licorice flavor. It's all of these things and more that I lack the appropriate words to describe, but it, it makes it a very complex, enjoyable flavor on the palate, which is surprising because it is maybe it, it could come off as a jumbled mess almost of just like everything all mashed together, but there's harmony in it on the palate. So, on to history. First off, chartreuse as a name has been used to describe a number of different things. First, it describes a place in France, which is the first chain of the Alps in the southeast. It's located between Switzerland and Italy. Second, Chartreuse gave its name to an order of monks in the mountains that took the place name and applied it to their order, becoming the Carthusian monks. The third meaning of Chartreuse is, of course, the liqueur. And then the fourth, the color name, came later. So yes, indeed, Chartreuse, the color, is named for the liqueur. The story of the spirit starts with the founding of the Order of Carthusian Monks. Founded by a German priest, St. Bruno of Cologne, he had been chancellor of a diocese in Reims, which is a city east of Paris, and way back in 1084, Bishop Hugh of Grenoble offered Bruno a solitary site in the mountains of the Valley of Chartreuse, where he could devote his life to his faith. St. Bruno and six companions built a hermitage on the site, founding what became known as the Grand Chartreuse, or the primary monastery of the order. Interestingly, the English term charterhouse would sometimes be applied to the monastery, but if charterhouse was used, it would have a specific meaning of a Carthusian monastery. But more often than not, the French word of chartreuse would be applied to the Carthusian monasteries. Semantics aside, by 1084, the first of what would become many Carthusian monasteries was founded. The Carthusians live a very devout and mostly solitary and silent life. The term hermitage that I used just a few moments ago, really is an apt description of how they live their lives. A hermitage is a place where a person lives like a hermit, solitary and alone, and today the Carthusians live much as they did close to a millennium ago. 
As of the time of this recording in 2020, there are 23 Carthusian monasteries throughout the world. There's 18 for monks and 5 for nuns. The Grand Chartreuse is a beautiful stone complex that was built in 1688, and it's very typically French-looking. And this is the site where Chartreuse, the liqueur, is from. The top cap, the front label, and the back label of the bottle all feature the year that the liqueur was born, and this is 1605. That's more than 400 years ago now. The story goes that a manuscript containing a recipe for an elixir of long life was given to the Carthusian order by a marshal of France, Francois Annibal d'Estres, in Paris. It contained a list of 130 herbs, spices, flowers, roots, and other botanicals. The manuscript was given to the Carthusian monks because at the time, monks and monastic orders were the ones that essentially were the apothecaries of the day, and they had the time and the expertise to develop remedies. And so the original chartreuse was developed as a medicine, and that's the reason that this manuscript for an elixir of long life was given to the Carthusian monks. The Carthusians immediately used this manuscript they had been provided to start making the first version of what would become known as chartreuse. Though the monks originally started making an elixir with the manuscript ingredients in Paris in 1605, it wasn't completed until 1737 after the manuscript had made its way to the Grand Chartreuse and a noted brother Jerome Maubeck further enhanced and refined the recipe. And this was 132 years after the original manuscript had been given to the monastic order. The manuscript itself wasn't really a recipe, more just a listing of 130 botanicals that would be used to create an elixir of long life. And in 1605, the world was open to Europe. The spice roads with Asia were open, the Americas had been discovered, and plants were known to Europeans. So the listing of botanicals on the manuscript likely includes plants from around the world. It's rumored that only about 30% are native to the region of France and Europe where chartreuse is produced. The refined recipe in 1737 produced a product that became known as the Elixir Végétal de la Grande Chartreuse, and it is recognized as the oldest liqueur in the world. In fact, it was the first product to use the word liqueur on the label. It is still made today, not available in the U.S., there's a reason for that, but it's a small bottle enclosed in a turned wooden box, sort of like a, a nesting doll you would see. It's kind of split in the middle and there's a glass bottle inside. You can think of it much like a cocktail bitters today. It's very high proof. It's 138 proof. It's the essence of chartreuse. The reason the Elixir Végétal de la Grande Chartreuse is not available in the United States is because Chartreuse themselves say they're in a bit of a stalemate with the TTB. And this is the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau in the United States who regulates all alcohol sales. Because the recipe for Chartreuse is so secret, Chartreuse will not tell the TTB what is in the Elixir, and thus the TTB won't certify it for import and sale into U.S. It's really that secret. And so since the late 1980s, when Chartreuse applied to bring in the elixir to the States, it's been a non-starter. The four Chartreuse products that are available for sale in the U.S. are simply grandfathered in 
prior to the TTB regulating things so strictly. So that's the reason we have green chartreuse, yellow chartreuse, and the two extra aged versions of these products. But the elixir was intended as a medicine. It was a cure-all that the monks developed. Again, because monastic orders, they were the apothecaries of the day. And so that's one of the reasons it's so high proof. And it's just got all of these 130 herbs, spices, roots, flowers, botanicals, into it and it's really intended to be consumed a few drops at a time maybe soaking a sugar cube with it or mixing it in with some hot water if you're sick nowadays however bartenders that can get their hands on it will often use the elixir in innovative cocktails the elixir proved very popular for the monks and in 1764 they adapted the recipe to make it into more of a drinking liqueur or a liquor uh, and that is what we know as green chartreuse. Green chartreuse is said to contain the same 130 secret botanicals, but it's bottled at a more drinkable 110 proof. In 1793, during the French Revolution, the Carthusians were expelled from France along with other religious orders, and the production of the liqueur and the elixir ceased. A copy of the original manuscript from 1605 was made and kept at the monastery with one monk that stayed behind, while the original manuscript left with one of the expelled monks. The monk carrying it was arrested, but managed to pass the original manuscript off to a friend, who later became convinced that the Carthusians would forever be ex exiled to Spain, so he ended up selling the manuscript to a pharmacist in Grenoble. In 1810, on Napoleon's orders, all secret recipes for medicines were sent to the Ministry of the Interior for review. It's said that the original manuscript with the list of 130 plants for chartreuse was returned refused as it was not considered secret. When the pharmacist died, his heirs returned the original manuscript to the monks who had returned from their expulsion. Then, in 1838, yellow chartreuse was created. I can't find reference as to why they created the yellow version, but it is sweeter and a lower proof at only 40% ABV or 80 proof, so it may have been a deliberate attempt to make a liqueur that was easier drinking yet. The yellow chartreuse is made from the same 130 secret ingredients, but in different proportions, and it is noted that it's sweetened with honey. In 1903, the French government nationalized the Chartreuse Distillery and the monks were yet again expelled. They resettled at their monastery in Targona, Spain, where they built a new distillery and began production there. For eight years, from 1921 to 1928, they also had a second distillery in Marseille, France. Each of these production runs carried with it a designation on the bottle noting Tarragon as a modifier on the label. Meanwhile, the French government sold the trademark to Chartreuse, and a group of distillers set up a company at La Grande Chartreuse, but it went bankrupt in 1929. In a heartwarming gesture, the shares of the bankrupt company were bought by friends of the monks and then gifted to them. Thus, the Carthusian monks reclaimed their seized trademarks. They were also allowed to return to and reclaim the Grande Chartreuse and resumed production of the liqueurs at the historic site. The distillery itself had been moved from the primary monastery location a little ways away. This had been done over the years to avoid fire and explosion hazards from the high-proof spirits there. And this was probably a good thing because in 1935, a landslide destroyed the distillery that had been built in 1860. 
After the landslide in 1935, the distillery was moved to Voiron, France, which is a small town to the west of the monastery, where distilling and aging took place for many years. Green and yellow chartreuse are aged, but in 1963, the first batch of VEP was produced. VEP stands for French words that I won't attempt to pronounce, but translate to exceptionally prolonged aging. Chartreuse makes both a green and a yellow version. Both are bottled in one liter sizes in replica bottles from the original 1963 bottling. These are also packaged in a wooden box with the emblem of the order burned onto the lid. The VEP is wonderful to drink. It is great, but it retails for about $170 where I'm at. I've had it one time only at a bar, and for the privilege, I paid $35 for the shot, which I sipped neat. The first and only time I've had a bartender apprise me of the price prior to the pour, it was a courtesy that I appreciated. The bartender also poured himself a small splash at the same time and provided me a complimentary about a quarter shot of regular green chartreuse for comparison. In 1970, the Carthusian monks formed a company called Chartreuse Diffusion that oversees bottling, packaging, advertising, and selling of the products. However, the monks are still in control of production and own the brand. The proceeds from the sale of Chartreuse provide the necessary funding for the Carthusian monks to continue their way of life and the charitable pursuits that they follow. Before we move on to production, there's the matter of the color name Chartreuse. December 26th, 1884 is the date of the first published account of chartreuse being used as a color name. The color traditionally refers to the color between green and yellow. Chartreuse yellow is also a recognized color name denoting the yellow version of the liqueur. So chartreuse is a color as well. There's a the green chartreuse and then yellow chartreuse. The production of chartreuse, as I've already stated, is a secret process, and only two or three monks at any given time know the full recipe for the herbs that are mixed to make chartreuse. The monks themselves, we know, are sourcing all of the raw materials. We do know that they use a neutral spirit base that's made from beetroot, probably sugar beets, and this is provided from a producer in northern France, and it's provided to chartreuse at 96% ABV or 192 proof. So this is truly a neutral spirit that they use for distillation and maceration. All of the 130 botanicals that they're using are delivered to the monastery into what's referred to as the herb room. And the herb room is the old bakery at the monastery. It's the same room that they've been using from the start. And the only monks that know the recipe are allowed in the herb room, which also is where they do the blending. All of the chartreuse products that are made, the elixir, the green, yellow, and the VEPs, they all are made from the same 130 herbs, but they're done in different proportions. And they're done by hand, as far as I can tell. What I've read and heard is that they're measured essentially by hand as they would have been described several hundred years ago. All of the botanicals are blended and put into specially numbered bags that will have the appropriate proportions of whatever these herbs, roots, flowers, spices, etc. are. And these numbered bags are then transferred from the monastery to the distillery to start the maceration and distillation processes. 
A batch of green chartreuse we know takes about two months to complete and there's various steps of distillations, macerations, and then final blending prior to aging of the liqueur to create green chartreuse. A batch of green chartreuse is done 42,000 liters at a time over this two-month period. And that one batch requires about a ton and a half of dried herbs to make each batch. The distillery is located in the small village near the monastery, and the village is Igonwa, and this distillery opened in November of 2017. With the opening of this distillery, it returned production to copper pot stills. Previously, they had been using stainless steel or column stills. The Elixir Vegetal de la Grande Chartreuse is not aged, but green and yellow are aged, and maturation is done at the facility in the small town of Voiron, uh, where distillation had been done from 1936 until 2017. Bottling is also done at the same location where maturation is done, but soon bottling will be moving to the distillery site. An interesting note in consideration of chartreuse as a product, all of the products of chartreuse, be it the elixir or green or yellow or the aged products, they're very natural and artisanal the way that the monks are blending them and then the various production methods, the distillation, maceration, and aging processes have changed over time. So that's all to say that there's some slight variations batch to batch. Oftentimes we think now of distilled spirits as really going for a set final flavor profile and and character, but chartreuse has natural variation that could come from whatever the raw materials are. Maybe this was a good year for a particular spice and next year won't be. Uh, So you do get differences bottle to bottle. Chartreuse will not have an age statement, and it also is not a vintage, so it's not a specific year production. However, you can check the specific bottling date of any bottle of chartreuse that you have, and here's how. Every bottle has printed on a very small portion of the top cap the collar around it, is a lot number. And to decipher the lot number, you need to know a little bit about Chartreuse and the Carthusian monk order. The first thing you need to know is the year they were founded, which is 1084. So you need to have that number, 1084. And then you add to that number the first three numbers of the lot number. The bottle that I have is lot number 935281. So I take 1084 plus 935, and that combined will give me the year of production, which is 2019. Next, you need the last three numbers, which provide you the day of the year that the bottle was produced. And in my case, 281, the 281st day of 2019 was October 8th, 2019. So... As happenstance, I opened this bottle a year to the day that it was bottled. Unintentional, I didn't realize that until I started planning for this episode that this bottle I bought back in April, I would open a year after it was produced. With such specificity of production date on bottles, you can then find vintages, and vintage bottles actually will command a fortune now. They're very collectible, and 
you know, this isn't just bottles that are a couple years old. Oftentimes bottles that are decades old will turn up in the collectible spirits market. They will go for tens of thousands of dollars. But uh, you can pick up a bottle at your local liquor store or grocery store if it's available for you there. Sub $100, and that's probably a great way to start. They will vary a bit year to year, batch to batch, but in general, chartreuse is chartreuse, and it's so complex that you may never tell the differences on the nose or on the palate or in the enjoyment. The last few things I know about production is that the green and the yellow are aged for a minimum of three years in oak vats of about 50,000 liters, and these are then, as I understand it, stepped down into 12,000 liter vats prior to bottling. However, some get to rest much longer, and these are the VEP, or the Extraordinarily Prolonged Aging Versions. The VEP is aged anywhere between 8 to 13, 14, or maybe 15 years. They don't really say it's not specifically a stated age. It's just when the monks deem the product ready for bottling. And the VEP is transferred to much smaller vats. They're 500 liter vats for their prolonged aging. Total annual worldwide production for the VEP is only about 30,000 bottles a year. So now, on to cocktails and consumption. Of course, the Elixir Vegetal de la Grande Chartreuse, it's treated like a bitter. Use just a few drops of it. You don't really drink it. It's an additive, and it's really meant as a, a medicine, honestly, is what it was created for. And that's the use that it'll still have. You know, in the United States, oftentimes, if people get the flu, they might have a shot of whiskey in some hot water or hot tea to make them feel better. In France... Chartreuse, the uh, elixir, would take the place there. And so it, the high-proof spirit, along with all these herbs, probably help. For the four main products that are available in the United States, which are green and yellow chartreuse, and then their two VEP-aged versions, they're recommended that you consume them neat or chilled. And you can dilute them with ice if you like. That is totally fine. You can also just keep a bottle in the fridge if you desire that as well. I have enjoyed it neat. It has been quite nice. When you chill it, you'll get a, get a different flavor profile. When you dilute it with some water or ice, it's going to taste a little different as well. So it is a very complex spirit, but it really can be enjoyed as a digestif or an aperitif, typically digestif after a dinner. And it's great just on its own. However, because chartreuse is so old, it's been around for hundreds of years, it's a truly classic liqueur. And it's therefore featured in many vintage cocktails. One cocktail in particular has been credited with reviving chartreuse in the last few years through its rediscovery. This cocktail is the last word, and it's believed that it was developed during Prohibition at a Detroit athletic club. It's simple to make and tastes quite good. The last word simply features equal parts gin, lime juice, green chartreuse, and maraschino liqueur. But with cocktail culture coming on in the last decade or so, chartreuse has found a good home at the bar. Potent, herbaceous spirit in various cocktails. So in summary, what do I think of chartreuse? As I said at the beginning, it is somewhat mystical or mysterious to me. It is near and dear to my heart. Chartreuse is one of the reasons I started Liquor in the Core Connoisseur 
as a podcast. I really wanted to dive deep into distilled spirits like this. And so I love this drink. It is good. I very much enjoyed my pour while recording this podcast and the history and depth and the production, the craft. It's all the warm fuzzies that you get, not just from the ethanol, but the history and story of what has created this concoction in your glass. So chartreuse is a favorite of mine. So that will do it for this episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Show notes are on liquorandliqueurconnoisseur.com. I also post photos on social media, which include Facebook and Instagram primarily. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, anywhere you get your podcasts, we should be available. I very much enjoy your feedback, and I like seeing my listeners downloading across the world. I'm reaching a global audience in English, so I appreciate that. It's fun. And as always, thank you for listening.